Hello, and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Worst Woman in London by Julia Bennett. This was published in 2023, and full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary arc. So thank you to Julia Bennett and Nick Alley. Yes, and I would be hard-pressed to imagine that this will be a series. I have a strong suspicion this was a standalone. Yes, that's what I think, too. I have to admit, I would love to eventually read the the third book in her first series, The Harcastle Inheritance. Yes. Because I do want to find out what happens with that dukedom, but maybe someday. (laughs) When authors do this, you... Elizabeth Boyle, I'm looking at you. We just hold it in our heart that someday it'll be finished. Someday. Someday. Oh, anyway, Julia, if you're listening, you at least have two people who want to hear that that story. Yes. All right. Okay, so as usual, I think we'll kick things off with the book jacket. A defiant Victorian wife fights to escape a bad marriage, but her love for a forbidden man jeopardizes her chance at freedom. James Standish knows how to play society's game. He'll follow the rules, marry a virginal debutante, and inherit a massive fortune. At least that's the plan, until he meets Francesca Thorne. She's not the sort of woman a respectable gentleman like James could ever marry. Not least because, strictly speaking, she's married already. Francesca is determined to flout convention and divorce her philandering husband. When James sweet-talks his way into her life tasked with convincing her to abandon her dream of freedom, she's unprepared for the passion that flares between them. Torn apart by conflicting desires, James and Francesca must choose whether to keep chasing the lives they've always wanted or take a chance on a new and forbidden love. No critique at all. This is... the. The only critique I have is that he says this is the plan until he meets Francesca. Because he meets Francesca before she marries um, Thorne. Fair. They have been in each other's lives for a decade. That said, I am actually fine with it in the book jacket because it makes a very nice second paragraph. It does. I think this book jacket is fairly comprehensive of the entire book. Um, and I think you see that in our random number summaries as well. This is a character study more than a plot-driven novel. Um, mm-hmm. So I think whether or not you really like this is going to depend on how much you gravitate toward that structure. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And anyway, we'll get into it later because I think it is interesting. Um, it, it, it's interesting about how I usually feel towards books like this. Okay. So- Uh, So the random number we used for this episode was 30. Uh, Meg, you want to start? Sure. Francesca is stuck in a loveless marriage, and her husband won't grant her a divorce. James is her husband's best friend. Will he break the Victorian bro code for Fran? Yep. The only thing I was sort of questioning in this book, neither James nor Francesca, that's not true. Francesca has more of an exterior life than James does, I feel like. Like, you Mm -hmm. don't see him having any other friendships. Mm -hmm. And he's got some qualms about Thorne. And, like, they've been drifting apart in some ways and haven't been seeing each other as much. So they're they're very important to one another. But the loaded emotional term best friend I don't think applies to their relationship. It's, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But at the same time, I actually hesitated when I was writing the 
my summary because I was like, mm. should I say best friend? I I eventually obviously determined that I should. I but... did too, but yeah. I, oh. I thought a lot about that. Like I don't know if it's really James's best friend, and that's more of a commentary on how yeah. frivolous James's friendships yeah. have been, or if that was just an undeveloped part of the book. Absolutely. I mean, James does do this is I would say they're they might even identify each other as best friends, but it's more of a like we're friends because we have always been friends. Yes. So what's your 30 word summary? Francesca and James have some pretty legitimate obstacles to overcome, like the fact that she's legally married to his best friend. This whole book is them reckoning with that slowly. <laughs> I think Lane Summary gets to our different perceptions of this book. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, I picked this book up and I was enraptured. Like, I could not put this book down. It was amazing to me. And I think for Lane, time did not move in that way. I read it while in the airport, stuck in a three-hour flight delay. So I was really looking for something to make the time go. And mm -mm, this was not helping. <laughs> I want to be very clear, though. Julia Bennett is extremely talented. These characters are extremely well-developed. Like, I don't have anything critical to say about the book. I just think the way this was done as a character study with very little, like, action or happenings didn't like wasn't just it wasn't as interesting to me it doesn't mean there's anything bad about it I just like it when more happens in a book yeah well I think it's just to me I think that's interesting because I think I usually am on your side like usually I want something to happen in a book if something is just a character study or just a philosophical meanderings or you know nothing really happens I'm usually looking for something else like for example um the perfect crimes of Marion Hayes it was a fun book I liked it but I was like okay where's the action what's what's happening what's going on for some reason this book hit the sweet spot for me between yep. like like no there's really not much that happens this is almost like the day-to-day -day life of these two people and yet I was into it. I was just into it. So. Yeah, I think you really had to buy, like, the desperation between the two of them to make this work as the, like, those internal happenings were the plot. And, again, whether it was my frame of mind when I read it or just personal preference, it wasn't riveting for me. Yeah. I will say, so, again, I do a, sometimes do a little bit of preparation before the episode just to see how other people have felt about the book and I will say that's a pretty common split among reviews yeah. is a lot of people are like I'm really into this I loved it and other people are like it was 300 pages and felt like 600 you know so I, I just want to let you guys know um we fell into that divide I mean I like I said I was just like into it these people were perfect perfect they're they're just real people to me and I was like yeah tell me more I agree with the they were real people. Yeah. Okay. So this is about a woman divorcing a guy who is present in the text. So mm -hmm. as such, there are fewer opportunities for tropes. Um, yes. This is not very tropey at all. There's a couple. There are a few. 
I mean, the so, big one is for forbidden love. It's it's obviously forbidden because she's married, but it's forbidden for a lot of other reasons too. Um, there's the bro code thing that I reference, like he's best friend. So it's not just that she's married to someone, she's married to his best friend. In addition to that, if she wants to get a divorce, she has to be seen as like beyond fault. So if there's like any hint of an indiscretion that could fo- foil her entire plan for her future. And he's, this gets into trope, got some inheritance drama. Mm-hmm. Where because going through with this divorce is making her a social pariah, he will be cut out of social circles, but also likely cut out of his aunt's will if mm-hmm. he proceeds to treat her with any kind of legitimacy. Yep. And then, I mean, I, we just, this is a divorce. And again, she has to appear beyond reproach. Could you guess that there might be some private eye action? Somebody's looking out to catch her being reproached. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gets the cut direct at yes. house party. And I think the cut direct is a trope. Oh, yeah. And it was, I don't know. Like, a lot of times you read about it and you're like, oh, the cut direct. But then, like, here you read about it. And at least I was like, oh, my God. Like, it hit me. I was like, oh, that hurts. So. It was... I liked a lot of the secondary characters and the parts they played. I liked his aunt a lot. And I don't mean liked as in like liked her. I mean the role she played and what she represented in society. She was like meddling gossipy mama, but in a way that I think was both deeper and also meaner than we're used to seeing. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think those are the only tropes we really identified. I mean, she's got a new dress for a party. And yeah, she and she, I think it's red, well. so she's like, "Oh, it's a red dress." And then, um, oh, I think there was another one, another trope where they go out in the garden and there's like some, you know, garden shenanigans, but it's not a waltz in a garden fondle, right? So, okay, um, I I really think that part of the reason I love the book is that. Part of the reason I read historical romance is because the stakes are higher in a lot sure. of ways. And part of the reason the stakes are higher is because once you get married, like, that's it. You don't really get another chance, right? So whether it be a marriage of convenience or whether it be a youthful marriage or whatever, you're stuck with that person. And so a lot of times when you read historical romance, that's part of the conflict it's like can i get married to this person right i'm going to be with this person for forever and it does give you a little bit of a reason why even though it might be financially beneficial for one person that they might not really go for it it gives this like extra heightened tension right absolutely and you've seen women in historical romance novels that we've read be heroines And inevitably, they were long-suffering or short-suffering, but suffering wives who are experiencing the same things Francesca is experiencing in this book. And they just get lucky and get widowed. Mm -hmm. You know, to read not just a heroine who is divorced, but who is in the act of pursuing that divorce was definitely a very new take for me. Yeah. So it was 
it's the logical extension of part of the reason you read that historical romance is because the stakes are high and now you see someone who gambled and and lost on those yeah. stakes right um so anyway i i think one of the things that julia bennett succeeded in the most is really talking about that moment in history right where right. divorces it's so difficult and costly and then ruinous to your reputation that people would just, they just couldn't do it. Like, even if they could afford it, there are all these other social reasons not to pursue it. And she said it in the same era where the aristocracy is losing a little bit of its luster and the power it's held and its financial dominance and trade and money through professions are becoming more common, even if they're not socially acceptable. And so the social backdrop sort of mirroring her bravery in making this professional choice and sort of the times they are a change in was really interesting. Yeah. And then a, a lot of times I know a lot of people complain about historical accuracy or rather historical inaccuracy. And I felt like here you get, you get that historical accurate, like it's in my opinion, very historically accurate. And then at the same time, you've got that modern sensibility and like, you kind of are just like, thank God we can get a divorce these days, you know? No kidding. I, I Julia Bennett, I follow her on Instagram. She does a lot of stuff on fashion, which I love. And there was like a whole series of posts, I think, or just one really long one. But I remember it being pretty comprehensive about the dress she wears to the party and like the historical reference points, but also like what she was trying to evoke and just the the set dressing here is well-researched in a way I really liked. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. And I mean, we've gone on record saying that we don't necessarily seek out historical accuracy in our historical romance. That said, I mean, I think this one really succeeded in both getting historical accuracy and a modern sensibility in a really, really well-done way, in my opinion. Absolutely. So... Uh, so we talked about it, but yeah, I mean, not much happens in this book other than some like very slow character development, mostly on James's part. A little bit on Thorne's part. And if you're wondering why her ex-husband got enough space to grow. Mm hmm. OK, let's let's talk about it, because I, I think we've gone in depth enough about the pacing and the plot of the book. I don't think we really need to talk that much more about it. FYI, it is a pretty slow paced book. Not a lot happens except that she's trying to get a divorce and she falls in love with a <laughs> with her husband's best friend. Okay. Right. Um, and then he her James has got to decide like what he wants to do with this relationship that they have forged, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay, there are quite a few portions of this book from the point of view of Francesca's husband, Thorne, and a young debutante, Sylvia. <laughs> what did you, how did you feel about those portions, Lane? My boss once told me that the only real dating advice she had for me is to marry a divorced guy because he already figured out all of his shit and what he really wanted with the first wife. Mm -hmm. And so every time Thorne and Sylvia were on the page, that's all I could think about. In all sincerity, it, 
in a book where I struggled with the pacing, having those moments that pulled you out of the story and kind of delved completely into this B plot was a distraction I wasn't really looking for. Um, but I wanted to kick Thorn in the dick. Oh my God. Thorn is the worst. I, I, I won't say that I struggled with those portions because they, they didn't pull me out of the story and they didn't hurt the pacing for me. That said, I, I liked that you got, I liked that you got this complex character development for Thorn. He is still a total jerk who deserves to be punched in the face, in the nuts, wherever you want to punch him. He deserves it. Like, he deserves it, okay? Yes. And he's basically refusing to grant her a divorce. If he decided to grant her a divorce, they could probably do it relatively amicably and just get it done. I have read nonfiction accounts of Victorian divorce, and um, that's that's basically what happens. Um, the husband would find someone to act as the interested party, right? And that party would be like, yeah, sure, you can name me in your case, in your suit. And then they would get divorced because mm -hmm. all you have to do to get divorced, if you're a man, is find your wife guilty of, <laughs> and okay, I love this term, find your wife guilty of criminal conversation. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I like love that. I don't know why I think that's hilarious. Um, and so you would just get a guy, whether they actually had an affair or not, someone agree to be the other person who had this criminal conversation with the wife. That's all you have to do. And so that's was usually if both parties d decided they want to get divorced, that's what they would do. Mm -hmm. Because if a woman wants to get divorced, which is what we see here, not only does the man have to be found guilty of adultery or criminal conversation, but he also has to be cruel or abandon her. Mm -hmm. Right. Neither of which things Thorne has really done. And he's refusing to, to grant her a divorce, basically. Right. So you get this very slow development for Thorne as well. And one of the things I liked, so spoiler alert, jump forward 30 seconds to a minute. Eventually, Soren does decide to basically not contest the divorce. So he doesn't grant it to her, but he also basically allows himself to be the villain in the suit. Mm -hmm. But the reason is not because he's decided that he was cruel to her and she deserves a divorce, but rather it's because he's decided that he wants to marry someone else. Yep. So, I mean, he's just selfish the entire the entire way through the book, mm -hmm. right? So I didn't mind getting his point of view for that reason. I thought it was, I liked getting the illustration of what was going to happen and why it happened and the fact that it didn't redeem him, in my opinion, in any way. What is your opinion on what Sylvia's POV added to the text? Eh, very little. Okay. <laughs> I don't disagree with you about Sylvia. I think the only thing that Sylvia added is you could kind of see why what why she acted the way she did. That's it. I don't think we necessarily needed it. Okay. So I, I don't I can't disagree with you there. I have a lot of feelings about it, actually, because this is the thing 
one of the things I've thought about a lot since finishing the book, because Thorne gets a relatively happy ending. Oh, God, he gets everything he's ever wanted. Right? And I almost felt betrayed. Because I was like, he shouldn't get that. He doesn't deserve that. And, I mean, this is a romance novel trope. It's not just that the main couple gets a happily ever after. It's that the bad guys also get badly ever after. Right? Right. Either they get killed, or they get socially ostracized, or they have to leave the country and live in the continent or whatever but they get their comeuppance in the end and thorn does not yeah and so like i'm really interrogating myself right i'm like is this because this didn't this didn't work with the romance novel conventions that i know and love is that the reason why um I still feel very annoyed about it, but, uh, you know, I'm just like, is this, is it an interesting annoyance or is it an I'm annoyed annoyance? You know what I mean? There's also very little. I don't know. I don't want to say like there's clearly a lot of character growth in romance novels, but especially where marriage is concerned, things are often very like rigid. I'm describing this terribly, but essentially marriage is supposed to be the thing that reforms ranks, right? That like you can fuck around in your youth, but the second you get married, you can't anymore. And the fact that Thorne never stopped and then we're supposed to believe he has this happily ever after because this marriage is different. It's so far outside the like happily ever after romance mold. Like this idea that this total jackass who has been a jackass for over 30 years, including through 10 years of marriage is suddenly going to be this, like, ideal husband was a hard pill to swallow. It's, <laughs> it always, it reminds me of this um, poem by Peter S. Beagle, which it was, it's in The Last Unicorn, but there's this, um, there's this poem where this guy is raking around, you know, he's just, like, sleeping around with everyone, and he's like, yeah, whenever I fall in love, I'll stop, no big deal. And then he does meet this woman, and they fall in love, and it's wonderful. Um, but, the final stanza is that he love is strong, but habit is stronger. <laughs> and he just keeps fucking around and he gets broken up with. And so I'm going to be honest. I know it's terrible, but like I would have been, I think I would have been okay with it if at the very end you found out that their marriage collapsed. Or that their happily ever after was like a very modern yeah open relationship type mentality where they both agreed that like they didn't want the trappings of fidelity but it was consensual like that i would have bought more than thorn suddenly being a devoted husband yeah that sylvia realized her desire to like make out with people did not stop just because she had a ring on her finger and so she thorn was free to do as he wanted if she was too i you know what i agree with you that's either way would have been fine with me either way yeah anyway that's that's the thing. I'm like, okay, is it that I don't buy it? Is it that it doesn't conform with the romance norms that I like? But regardless, that's probably yes. the only part of the book. Yeah, yes and yes. It's probably the one part of the book that I was like a little disappointed in. Everything else was like, for me, just like beyond amazing. <laughs> uh, including the third act breakup, which I don't usually really? like. 
Mm-hmm. I was, it made me cry. So if something is like, <laughs> did you just roll your eyes at me? <laughs> If if something makes me feel enough, I will forgive what I don't usually like. So, I actually yeah. thought it really added something. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times third act breakups are just there to raise the stakes at the very end. Yes. And I feel like this third act breakup served the purpose of showing like they weren't growing for each other. They were growing because of each other. That yes. I don't necessarily think you would have seen if they kind of traversed some of the hardships together. Yeah. So in that sense, it didn't feel meaningless or trite or like just drama for the sake of drama, which is why I think it was better. Did it slow some stuff down? Yes. But I was not pissed off it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I wasn't upset. I wasn't like, I mean, we've read some books recently that we loved, but we're like, okay, that was a. Uh... They were being a little drama queeny there. <laughs> Just a smidge. But but he, no, like that's I didn't feel like that at all. I didn't feel like either of them was was being dramatic or acting out of character. Some of the in-character stuff was a little dramatic, but it was in character. <laughs> I will say, I mean, the fact that they broke up when like his moment of saying, like, I love you, and she was like, but that's not enough. Yeah. Oh, it, it got me in the, in the feelings. Straight, straight in the feels. Go for you. Got me. All right. Content warnings. It's a book about divorce because she's been cheated on until she started cheating herself in the sense that she was legally married. And Thorne is a real jerk to her. Like he doesn't mm -hmm. hit her or... But he's emotionally absent and manipulative and neglectful. And, like, she has very little agency because of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, infidelity is, like, the big content warning. That said, like, it, I do not like infidelity my romance between the two main characters. And that didn't happen here. I know that a lot of people will be very wary going into a book where one of the members of the main couple is still married, right? Yeah, but, I think this is one of those, I'm usually pretty sensitive to infidelity, but she had announced she was leaving him before she, not just James, anyone else she'd like liaised with. It, like she had, if this had been set in the modern day, the divorce proceedings would have begun before she'd started going out. This marriage would have been over. Right, before you know, this, she started this marriage engaging was. In. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Like, that's kind of where, yes, she is legally married, but by the time she started sleeping with other people, there was no illusion that their marriage still existed other than on paper. Exactly. She wasn't like doing anything behind Thorne's back in the sense of like, she told Thorne, I want to get divorced. I am done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he um, said, I do no, I own you. Yeah, Yes. I do want to point out some emotional abuse, not just on Thorne's part, um, but on the part of her family. Yes. Um, so it was uh, it was uh, difficult to read, and I do think it could be triggering for people who have a family. Like, basically, her, the people who raised her, her aunt and uncle, are freezing her out. 
until she says that she won't get divorced. So they're being, they're obviously not just unsupportive of the divorce. They're like, we are withholding our love, our affection, our presence from you until you act the way we want you to act. Yes. So I I just want to mention that because um, it was very well written and it felt very realistic. Yep. Uh, Anything else? think that covers it okay let's talk about sexiness this is an explicit romance novel so there are sex scenes i would not say that this is like so hot sexiest book you'll ever read five flames five chili peppers it's so spicy but i think that the sex served the purpose of what i like to see in a romance which is that it furthers the storyline and their emotional connection and it raised the stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Like big time. Because as we talked about, she needs to maintain this immaculate public image in order to be granted a divorce period, let alone one that enables them both to remarry. Mm-hmm. And so pursuing this isn't just like forbidden in the eyes of society. Like it has actual risks for her. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's that made it made me at least I think you can tell me if you felt this way but it it, to me I was like oh like they this relationship and this sexual relationship is so important to them that they are both willing to go against their own best interests for this so it, it made you feel like okay they're they're really into each other you know it was way more against her best interest than his it was it was and I don't necessarily think James fully got that. I don't think he got it until he got it. Yeah. And I, I wish mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I, like not a criticism of Julia Bennett's writing. I think it's part of like James's character is a little bit lacking in empathy in certain places. Oh, the exact. That's I mean that's the entire that's the entire point of the book. You know. Like that's the entire point of the book. Like, which, lots which of is sympathy, perfect. lots of paying attention to other people, but very little actually giving a fuck about imagining how somebody else is perceiving something i mean and the thing is too like obviously the fact that he wanted to be with her shows that he's emotionally invested in her right but when it happens and what precipitates it is also based on his relationship with thorn yep so this is kind of where the victorian bro code comes in I will just say that James does not break the bro code first. That's all. Yep. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I loved, I loved this book, so I highly recommend it. I have nothing to add. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and check us out wherever you can find Plotris.